And when I encountered theology of the body, as I was studying Catholicism to bring my friend back into the Protestant world, I couldn't believe that the Catholic Church had the wonderful truths that I had missed out on, so deeply missed out on. Hello, welcome to the Crazy Catholic Convert Podcast. I'm your host, Karen. If you were to ask me why I became Catholic, I would say short answer, beauty, goodness, truth. Long answer, well, that's why I'm creating this podcast. Ever since I became Catholic, I felt called to evangelize. I have stories to tell, and I know other Catholics do too. Our faith is a gift. It should be shared. For this episode, I will be interviewing a Catholic convert, Casey, And Casey, I can't believe this, but I have not interviewed a convert besides Dr. Stroud, and maybe I guess you could count myself. I have not interviewed a Catholic convert yet on this podcast, so no pressure. But anyways, Casey, would you mind sharing with us your faith journey? Yeah, so I grew up in a very traditional Church of Christ home, but my mother, by faith, really decided that she did not want me to know the Jesus that she had been taught, the one that says we must get everything right and we need to make sure we're following all the rules. And in case you have a car accident, make sure you don't let an expletive slip because you don't know if you're going to have time to ask for forgiveness. And so in that faith, she taught me about grace and she taught me about the love of Christ. And so I grew up knowing Jesus, not only as my Lord and my Savior, but also as my friend. And that was a gift I could never and never will be able to repay my mother, even though she still struggles to know that Jesus really loves her. And in that friendship, God called my family and myself to become missionaries in Cambodia. We moved there in 2009 and started our work. And about six years into our ministry, after getting to know so many wonderful people from other denominations who are also working there, we had some friends let us know that they were becoming Catholic. And this just rocked the missionary community there. We were so sad. And so I started studying about the faith, the Catholic faith, because I knew I could find the holes in it and I would be able to bring my friend back to the true church. Well, that didn't really go as I had planned. I studied and prayed and studied and agonized for several years. I remember at one point listening to Scott Hahn. He was doing a talk on his book, Hail Holy Queen. And I was listening and I realized I could not find one reasonable hole in his argument. And I tossed my device across the room and just, oh, I was just furious. Because when we are confronted with the idea we could be wrong about something we hold so dear, about something that is so important. Many of us, myself included, we don't want to touch the pain. We don't want to touch what that would mean. And so I just kept trying to find holes. And I eventually was able to reach out to the Coming Home Network, and they walked the rest of the way with me. After 10 years, which was our commitment to Cambodia, we came back to the state and my conscience just, it would not let me go. And so I finally started RCIA and started preparing my children along with the help of some wonderful women at our parish and eventually entered the church. And then my husband came in the next year. 
My husband is a third generation missionary kid. He grew up in Kenya, where both his parents and his grandparents were in ministry with the Churches of Christ. So this rocked their family, just like my friend's conversion had rocked ours. And we've come to wonderful level of peace with our family. We've watched the pain that they feel as we have moved into the church and come to love our Catholic faith. And we know that's out of love and care and concern for us. Now, the hard part of my story that I haven't shared is that from the very beginning of my marriage, my husband was addicted to pornography. And although I had such wonderful input from the Protestant world on the convergence of faith and sexuality, unfortunately, there's a gaping hole there. And that is what I found in the Catholic Church. I found the reason why something wasn't connecting for me. And that is the idea of the marital embrace supposed to be both procreative and unitive. And I think over a decade of being betrayed and watching my husband truly suffer in his addiction, even as he brought suffering to our family that humbled me and caused me to cry out to the Lord in a much deeper way than I might have otherwise done. And as I look back, I think this internal desire to push against everything that pornography stands for, and I think that was the Holy Spirit's nudging in my heart. And so after our second child was born, I told my husband, I don't feel comfortable with birth control anymore. And I really feel like God is not a part of our physical intimacy. And I think that this is part of the reason he's not. And so bringing the Lord into the number of children you were going to have was something that opened the door for the church to me even though I didn't know it at time. And then realizing that our marriage and our sexuality were not unitive because I was never able to be fully trusting and I was never able to feel safe and singular in that relationship. That drew me closer to the church as I discovered the teachings that I was receiving were marriage will make pornography go away because there's no need for your husband to look for sexual gratification anywhere else. There's this idolatry of sex that I think is totally unintentional, but very much there. And when I encountered theology of the body, as I was studying Catholicism to bring my friend back into the Protestant world, I couldn't believe that the Catholic Church had the wonderful truths that I had missed out on, so deeply missed out on. And that just propelled me further on my journey to the church. And now being able to share the teachings of the church with women from all types of religious background as they are on their journey for healing from betrayal trauma is just a joy and a privilege and a gift of redemption that is so unexpected and very precious in my life now. That's my story. Casey, that's beautiful. I love how in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and how you can never see when you're in it. But in hindsight, what you went through, that struggle with your husband's addiction, who would have guessed that later on, that would be what brought you. I mean, it sounds like not the only reason, but that led you to look into the beauty of theology of the body 
it helped you to see the truth. And then you could use that to help other women struggling with the same thing in their marriage. Is that correct? Is that what you do? Yes. Our God is a God of redemption. He allows us our free will. I remember just praying, God, please send someone to save me. And while I would make different choices now about the boundaries that I've set in my marriage at the time and the decisions that I made, God was working on that redemption even then. And as Christians, we know that the God of all comfort comforts us so that from his comfort, we can comfort others. And now I have been trained by an organization called the Association as Partners of Stuffed Addicts Trauma Special. I work with women toward healing and processing what they've experienced, do all kinds of things surrounding boundary, handling, gaslighting, just explaining what a roadmap towards their own healing and what to look for in their husband's healing if their husband chooses to enter recovery. Well, that's, yeah, that's good. So would you say that it was the theology of the body? Once you looked into that and realized the beauty and truth of it, did that make you then want to become Catholic even more? Absolutely. You know, when I taught people the good news of Jesus, when I talked to them about grace, I saw them respond with just almost a shock and awe and then joy. And as I learned about theology of the body, I cried in joy. I worshiped the Lord even more. And as we pursue God, he draws us to where he is. It was definitely a part of becoming into the truth. I was just reflecting on my own journey. It's funny because that was the hardest thing for me to accept about the Catholic faith. And now I can just quickly, I mean, I'm no theologian, right? And sometimes it is intimidating when you see all the other religions out there. But I always think that's one way that I can rule them out now. I ask, do Mormons use birth control? Is that okay for them? Actually, I know they can't drink coffee. They can't do this, but they can use birth control. Oh, they don't know the truth. That's how God worked with me, but beautiful. Okay, could you tell us, I know you dived into it a little bit with your career now, helping other women. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? It sounds like your family has grown since you've embraced the beauty, goodness, and truth of theology of the body. Yes. So I love to tell people we were Catholic before we ever became Catholic. We had seven children when we left Cambodia and then had two more after we entered the church. And so we are blessed with these wonderful nine children. And it is a joy that is indescribable and challenging all at the same time. It's definitely sanctifying. I love seeing big families. I think you don't realize the benefits of having a big family until you think about it. Like the older kids can start watching the younger kids. It's just more love. Absolutely. Are there any books or people? I know you mentioned your friends who became Catholic, which it sounds like you probably did not bring them back to the Protestant faith. No. Were there, (laughs) I'm assuming, were there any other experiences or any books you read that really influenced you on your journey? One event I remember very clearly is we were driving in one of the provinces in Cambodia, and we came upon this concrete sign, and it said, Church of Christ established in 8033. And that was what I had grown up believing, that the church I was raised in was the original church. And I read The Four Witnesses, and his intro describes another church that Bob Madden. 
and it gives this description of the area. And what those two things have in common are that there's no historical evidence. And I tend to think very logically. And so I wondered to myself how I could have believed that my church was the original church when there was absolutely no evidence. And now I know there's mountains of evidence for Catholicism and there's such historical consistency. And so that conflict between what's real and what I believed has been resolved because faith and reason exist in the historicity of the Catholic Church. I think, too, I did a lot of listening to debates is what I would say really sharpened my decision to come into the church, hearing the best arguments that each side had to offer and realizing that I was always on the side as the Catholic. And of course, I listened to Catholic Answers Live. Constantly, I would be driving my moto down our little dirt roads in our village and listening to these wonderful question and answer sessions. There's so much out there for people to learn and grow and consider from the church. And it's wonderful. It is wonderful. I totally second that. There's so many resources out there. Yes. Who is your confirmation saint? I was very nervous about the saint. I was very nervous about prayer to the saints. And unlike a lot of conversion stories I've heard, I did not connect with Mary well. And so even now, I don't have a strong Marian devotion, not because I don't believe in the dogma around Mary, but simply because it's just more challenging for me. And so the first saint I connected to was St. Joseph. And when my husband was going through a particularly bad season, and I remembered feeling so alone and abandoned in my marriage. And I thought, this is not what I signed up for. And St. Joseph came to mind. And thinking about how it surely wasn't the marriage he had always planned. And he was going to need to deny himself in sacrificial love for a better cause and the blessings he must have reached for that. And I remember my first prayer to a saint was asking St. Joseph if he could anyway empathize with me. And we have been close ever since. Casey, I love that. We hear so often that Mary's perspective and how hard, of course, it was for her. But St. Joseph never says anything, but his actions speak louder than words. And I'm sure so many couples have thought, oh, this is not what I expected. And there's always surprises and challenges and struggles. And to think this was definitely not what Joseph expected either. I'd never thought of that. Do you have any other favorite saints? I have enjoyed learning about St. Monica, just the encouragement to persevere and that the battle's not over till it's over. She has blessed me that way. And Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, has been a particular blessing to me even before I ever thought of the Catholic Church. I read her book, A Simple Path, and it had a profound impact on me. Once I arrived, I actually lived in Cambodia as a single person for six months in 2003. And I walked by a building one day and it was the Missionaries of Charity and they ran a center for people who were desperately poor. They could drop their kids off every day and we would feed them and clothe them and bathe them. And then they would come and pick them up. And if they were going to abandon them, the center would let them come in and they would be kept for three months while the nuns helped the family get on their feet and get medical care. 
hopefully a place to live. And so I asked if I could volunteer there every day. And the experiences that I had there and the order that Mother Teresa set up, wow, it's just so, so beautiful. And so we are also very close. That is so neat that you got to see that. What a powerful witness that must have been. Yeah. And I feel very certain there was a particular nun there. And I've tried very hard to find her. But I know, well, she told me she was praying for me to become Catholic. And I laughed it off. But I have often thought what power her prayers had as far as my journey was. Sure. I think that same thing sometime. I have a lot of family that are Catholic, and I think I'm probably here because of their prayers. Yeah. Do you have a favorite book of the Bible or a favorite Bible passage? Growing up in the churches of Christ, I have had so much time in the Word. It would be very hard to choose something above another. I feel very grateful for the Word of God and that it was stored in my heart so deeply and so early. And now I am getting to know those other books of the Bible that I wasn't let in on. But for me, the Gospels, every word of Jesus, I feel like I can always go to Him in the Word. I like the Gospels too. This, I guess, kind of leads into my next question. What does your prayer life look like? Do you like to read the Gospels every day? Do you have any favorite prayers? I have always been a popcorn prayer, primarily. I set things about my day and about my home that are prompts to pray. So little items from people that someone has given me every time I look at that item, I will pray for that person. I love to get up in the early morning. And I do a gratitude journal and a extemporaneous prayer as well. Typically, I choose a word for each year, a theme, and I spend particular prayer time in that using scripture and religious writing. And then the litany of humility has been a staple for me throughout my time, especially because of my story from the desire of being God's deliver me and knowing how deeply loved I really am that I'm not in want. Another practice I have is using the Lord's Prayer as a structure for my prayer life. I have really enjoyed doing that. Oh my goodness, Casey. I was just thinking how much you remind me of one of my second moms. Every place I go, I find a second mom and you remind me so much of her. She has nine children and she homeschooled as well. She didn't do any missionary trips in Cambodia, but I guess she moved around being military. And she actually gave me the prayer, the litany of humility. She introduced it to me because I was very hesitant about doing things like a podcast, right? I just want to be loved. She said she gave the prayer to someone and they were like, I was sweating the first time I read that prayer. It's so counterintuitive. I have a love-hate relationship with that prayer. I think about it a lot. Anytime I'm feeling self-doubt, I have to let it go. And the key is it's the grace to desire it, right? Yeah. You can be loved. There's nothing wrong with that. But you don't need to be loved by or have the affirmation of other people because you have God's love. And so, yes, a love-hate relationship with that prayer. It's great. Yeah. Last question. If you could say something to non-Catholics about your Catholic faith, what would you say? I'm going to say what our friends who became Catholic said to me, and it was all my friends said to me. She said, I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but you need to look into it because it's going to blow your mind. And it does. It will. 
Just leave it to the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Crazy Catholic Convert Podcast. Just a few things I wanted to mention. First, when Casey brought up the Litany of Humility, it reminds me of another litany my cousin Amy sent me. If you recall, I had Amy on the show in episodes 6 and 7. She shared with me, she calls it this litany of motherhood. Now, for moms, it's not like we have all this time to list off a bunch of petitions, so she uses it as just one-liners throughout the day, which is what I like to do too. I found these so relatable as a mom, and maybe you will too, so I'll put them in the description. Next, since Casey is a convert, I thought I would take this episode as an opportunity to share with you some of the great resources out there. The first one that comes to my mind is Catholic Answers. It's a group of very smart theologians, apologists. The one I probably listen to the most is Trent Horn on the Council of Trent podcast. He's probably one of the best people I've heard as far as debates goes. There's also EWTN. They have all sorts of shows. Probably the most popular is The Journey Home. Marcus Grodi, he was a Protestant pastor, and he created the Coming Home Network, which I didn't know this actually, but it was at first just a network for other Protestant pastors who changed their mind, kind of like Casey's situation. As she mentioned, she reached out to the Coming Home Network for help, and it actually became a show, and now it's taken over by his son, John Mark Grodi. And I actually had the opportunity to interview John Mark Grodi's wife, Teresa Grodi, so I will be sharing that interview in the future. Some other resources that come to my mind, Ascension Press, They have all sorts of videos. Father Mike Schmitz especially has a lot of videos out there. He also does the podcast, The Bible in the Year. He does the Catechism in a Year. Lots of great resources. Dr. Scott Hahn founded the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. They have all sorts of great Bible studies. There's actually something called Formed. A lot of parishes offer this. You can have a Formed account that will give all sorts of documentaries, Bible studies, studies. There are so many resources out there. I'm just rambling off the big ones that come to my mind right now, but I'll post them in the description below. Moving on, next month, I will be interviewing another homeschooling mother, except this homeschooling mother does not have nine children. She has 11, and I'm so fortunate that she was also my neighbor. I feel like I really learned what a blessing it is to have a big family like that. So stick around. I hope you can join me next month. 